Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Willard Lee. Will is the Chief Information and Innovation Officer of the Hanover Insurance Group, a company he joined in 2003. In this role, he's responsible for delivering and maintaining the strategic applications that support the company's business operations, its agent partners, and its customers across commercial, personal, and specialty lines. Will also manages innovation efforts, monitoring industry trends across the value chain and potential impacts on the Hanover more generally speaking. He has held numerous roles inside and outside of IT, and I look forward to discussing the advantages of his career path in this conversation, in addition to understanding better his pathways to innovation. Will, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me today and um, for us to talk a little bit more about the Hanover's journey. I'm looking forward to that, indeed. Well, um, maybe we can begin with, uh, for, for those who may be less familiar with it, Will, maybe you can take a, a quick moment and offer a little background into the Hanover Insurance Group's business. Talk a bit about uh, about the organization. Yeah, no, we're, um, you know, for us, we're a leading property and casualty insurance company. So uh, we have, um, you know, sort of three main divisions in the company. So we have a, a personal lines business, uh, sort of a core commercial business and a specialty business. And for us, you know, our, our, I think our uniqueness in our operating model is that everything that we do is through our independent agents. So we, um, so we partner with a, with a, a subset of, of, the, of what we consider the best in class agents. Um, and then from there, we have, you know, the typical services of, um, you know, self-service for our customers and then, you know, onto the claims process and so forth. But um, the uniqueness for us is is that subset of of agents that we work with across the United States and the partnerships that we create with them to uh, really make sure that you know the that the businesses that they're bringing to us and that the services that we're bringing to them and their customers are obviously you know world class. Excellent. And you're the executive vice president, chief Innov- information and innovation officer. Two eyes there. Um, yeah. Talk, talk a bit about the two sides of, of your responsibilities, if you would. Yeah. So, so the the innovation piece started off first. So, uh, so just a little bit of background about myself. Um, so, I, I'm a bit of a boomerang back into IT. So, I, I've actually um, started off my career in IT. Here, uh, went off and I um, did a couple of different business roles. I I worked in um, in our corporate development area for about six or seven years when we were building our specialty practice. You know, just Basically, bringing on and doing due diligences on companies. Uh, from there, I went into um, uh, leading our product uh, area of the insurance products, um, and then from there, I, I, you know, went into this innovation role uh, first. But actually, before I had the IT piece, so the innovation side of it has always been, you know, sort of the the part that um, you know when we think about. Um, you know, the future of where we think the company's going, where we think PNC is going, that sort of outside in view of where where our, our distribution partners with our agencies are going, what, what do we think is happening with digital self-service with our customers? Uh, it's sort of the leading edge of that is where I uh, was where I started with the innovation side. And then about two years ago, I, I, um, I also took on the CIO role. And uh, together with with the leadership of the company, we decided to keep those two these two pieces together. Just because you know, if you think about it in today's world, this is why it's such an exciting time to be in technology. Is that li- literally everything that we do is around technology, and and the 
the innovation side of the house where we're looking at uh, trends and and piloting things and trying to do you know quick tests and learn type pilots that is actually just you know it's a it's a version of technology uh, you know that that we're doing and then at the same side on the other side there's the you know the it's a little bit a little bit more traditional where you know we have to worry about the infrastructure we have to worry about cybersecurity you know to keep our you know to keep our company safe um, and you know really what we're trying to do is is blend those two worlds together because we feel like in today's world with how quickly things are changing uh, in the PNC world, like having those two pieces together makes makes the most sense. That's fascinating. As you alluded to, Will, you have, um, you know, as I was saying to you earlier, there's some people that have the same job in many companies. You've had many jobs in the same company. And I can only imagine that you bring a richness to that experience, uh, a cognizance of how this business operates. Uh, you know, uh, you, you know the players uh, unusually well coming into your now dual set of responsibilities. Yeah. Talk, talk, talk a bit about the advantages, if you would, of having spent time in IT, IT. having spent, yeah. spent time in different business lines and this operations role. Um, you know, the, 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 the residue of each of those experiences must surely impact the way in which you, you manage IT and manage innovation. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it. it um, uh, one of the uh, the previous roles I was talking about from a sort of the corporate development side of it, right, you, you end up getting uh, a sort of a financial acumen as to what really makes, uh, what makes money, uh, you know, in, a, in the PNC world and the financial levers that you can actually pull. And a lot of having that sort of insight, um, just grounded is is very helpful right from a financial acumen side of just understanding how the company makes makes money and the levers that we can pull um and then when you get to some of the more operational roles like uh managing our insurance products being the operating officer over on the specialty side what what that really does is that you know as we're now i'm supporting those as my customers inside of the company i can actually say like well i've i've actually walked in your shoes Right, I, I can I I understand the, you know, sort of the the decision making that they're, they're trying to do, understanding the connection with technology and and um, really helping them shape, um, you know, and solution what what might be there for the future. And I think to me that's one of the largest pieces as, as we move forward and we think about where where the CIO's role goes, you know, in the future is it's it's a hybrid role right i mean you have to you have to understand the nuts and bolts of the infrastructure and security side of things but at the same time you know you're a change agent for the company right you're you are essentially trying to move forward you know with with enabling technologies trying to move the company forward and that's a you know that's a different type of role i think than than we've thought of traditionally as a cio and having that to your point having those different diverse backgrounds i think um, helps in that change management, you know, sort of area because you actually understand what's actually changing. It's not just technology. There's a whole process and operation underneath it and a business model that might be changing as well. And, and I, I want to get into some of the changes that that have that have taken place. I know the CIO, the Chief Information Officer role, is the second of the roles of your current roles that you took on. But in many ways, um, I know also from the some of what you've described in terms of a legacy transformation uh, that's happened yeah. on the IT side, 
positions you all the better to to seize opportunities from an innovation side. Talk, exactly. talk a bit about that logic and some of the work yeah. that was done in order to create a better foundation. Yeah, yeah, no. So, so a lot of this was not was not just me. Uh, it was a lot of hard work that that our IT team has done over the last, gosh, probably five to seven years, where where the re- the recognition was, you know, if we don't if we don't modernize some of our legacy platforms, really trying to be more nimble and having the optionality in the future uh, is just a lot harder to do, right? And so, uh, what we really put in place. You know, and this has been a five to seven year journey as we've spent you know, over $200 million on what I would say is basically touching every large platform in our, our ecosystem from policy admins to billing to claim systems and really trying to, to put um, you know, sort of uh, upgrades in place and, and platforms and middleware in place so that the flexibility is there, meaning that if I need to have an API layer to be able to connect into third-party data uh, for data analytics, or if I need to, you know, to connect to to another uh, outside source for, um, yeah, um, you know, for a uh, different platform and so forth, that we're able to do that in a cost-effective, total cost of ownership sort of way, uh, being able to do that. So we 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 feel like you know we're we're never completely done with modernization efforts. I think it's it's one of those things where it's like once you finish painting the bridge, you kind of you kind of go back to the start, and hopefully it's just a, a lighter coat the next time you have to do the do do the painting. But so it's never completely done. But we feel like we're in a place today where we've we've created that optionality and the flexibility. So now it really starts to get into this whole piece around like, well, how do we how do we think about the future? And this is where sort of the innovation arm starts to come in. And sort of, uh, you know, the solutioning that we're doing and the co-creating that we're doing with our business partners around like, okay, now that we have all of that foundation in place, where do we think the puck's going to go? And, you know, that that's always, you know, to us, that's the value add that we're bringing to the to the equation. And, you know, we can't we can't do all of that, um, you know, without some, you know, sort of changes on our side, too, so that, you know, there's some imperatives that we're working on as well. Uh, just trying to set ourselves up for uh, for that future. That's a great way of framing it. I re- really like the way in which you uh, you, you describe that. Will um, I also want to talk a little bit about how the team is set up? Um, how do you yeah. structure? You, you have two sides of your responsibilities, which you've begun to art- articulate. Of course, are the team set up as distinct teams? Are there any members of your team that have a foot in both worlds as you do? Yeah, yeah, no. So the so the innovation team really is is embedded within what I'll call the the solutioning side of the business, right? You know, when we think about the co-creation with the businesses, there's, uh, we think of it sort of like in a dual horizon environment where you have the problems of today and then you have potentially the problems of tomorrow or the or the advantages for tomorrow. And we, we join those conversations together with our business leaders because, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's hard to separate one from the other, right? Because you, you start to get into the optionality and decision-making of, should I be trying to optimize what I have today or should I be just building for tomorrow, right? And so it, it the, the conversations come together. I love how it comes together because it really, even if you're not gonna do it the next year, it's on a roadmap, it's on our city plans, right? We know, we know this is something that we're thinking about for this business unit or this functional area. 
and to have those blueprints and those roadmaps, I think are, you know, it's critical for us as we think about where do we want to prioritize our work within our value chain? Where do we think we're getting the most strategic advantage, you know, across our agent and customer and employee journey maps? I mean, that all of that sort of has to come together uh, when we think about how we want to spend the company's money uh, from a technology perspective. And um, so from an innovation perspective, it really is brought together at the front end of all that solutioning. And then when you think about like how we do our, our, um, you know, our, our typical agile, uh, you know, sort of uh, um, uh, execution of development, that that's broken out by business unit because there's a lot of platforms and you know really business strategies that are particular to those business units uh, that we want to keep intact and make sure that you know that our business leaders get the the SME knowledge that our 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 technology folks are bringing to the table. So that those are broken out um, you know into the into the different uh, business unit areas and functional areas. But at that front end of the solutioning, the the innovation piece is is together uh, with with how we think about it. Just as we talk about the dual horizons, you referenced Will uh, the the creation of agent journey maps, customer journey maps, employee journey maps, and in many ways, obviously, that articulates the 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 constituent groups that you and your team are responsible for impacting the the yeah. experiences that you're bringing to bear with with technology. Um, it's interesting. I mean, so so. So it's an extra layer. I mean, there are many peers of yours, at least on the CIO side, whose primary uh, customer, if you will, wrong terminology, yeah. but is are, are, is the internal operation. You, you yeah. have in three different constituent groups uh, a lot to manage, a lot to think about as you as you contemplate the journey maps for those three constituent groups. Can you talk a little bit about? I, I recognize each of them have a lot of detail associated with them. How much yeah. overlap of the Venn diagram is there between those three? And maybe a little bit, if you don't mind, of specificity of, of the the parts that don't overlap. Some of the unique aspects aspects or attributes as to how technology yeah. is used by each. Yeah. So, so I'll start with the with the agent journey map. So, so for us, as we were talking about, right, this is this is the bread and butter to the strategy, right? Is is the deep partnerships that we have with our agents. And so the journey maps of the agents uh, really start from, you know, sort of the distribution strategy and how they how they interact with us from both a quoting perspective, uh, a servicing perspective, and so forth. And um, you know, we have we have agency councils built to be able to listen to what our 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 agents are saying through the innovation side of it. We have committees like uh, that that we've joined to. Sort of get that outside-in perspective. So, so that agent journey map, um, yeah, is is relatively specific to to how uh, uh, an agent interacts with us. There's a lot of uh, trends today around trying to get more efficient in the data passing back and forth, the security around that, obviously. Um, and then there are some there are some connection points though with our customer journey map as well. Um, so when we think about our customer journey map. Uh, there is the part where, you know, at, 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 the, at the front end of the selling cycle, the agent is actually selling to that customer. And so we, we think a lot with our agents around what's the best way to, to actually sell an account uh, to a customer. So like on the personal line side, you know, we're, we're going after, you know, so that the emerging affluent uh, sort of customer 
And so, you know, we're interested in their home. We're interested in their auto. We're interested in the toys that they have, if they need cybersecurity. Um, and, and so, so I think there's this approach with our agents to even thinking about, well, how do, how does our customer, their customers really want to interact with us to be able to try and get that, that account sell and where are the right times and the moments in, in somebody's life where, where these things start to, to matter uh, more than if I'm just, you know, if I'm renting a house and, you know, I have a car kind of thing and I'm just starting off. Um, so there's a lot of the, the maps where we, where we try and map out even from an agent interaction, like what is that interaction even with our customer? And then when you think about the customer, once they become you know, sort of a policyholder with the handover, then you start to get into a lot of the self-service uh, capabilities of like, how do I pay my bill? How do I, how do I make a change to my policy? How do I, um, how do I put in a claim? And, and what we've seen there, there's now we've started to see a little bit of overlap between our, our personalized customers and our small commercial customers, because essentially the small business owner is the one that's dealing with the insurance. It's not a third party or an employee of the company. Um, so what we've seen is a lot of the digital trends of self-service between our personalized customers and our small commercial uh, business owners they're starting to converge and you see a lot of the same similarities of, of how they want to, how they want to pay a bill, how they want to make changes to uh, their policies and, and, you know, sort of uh, uh, how they want to see a claim come through and see the progress of it and so forth. So we do see quite a bit of, of that. Um, and then finally on the, on the employee side, that's one for us that we've, we've really put a focus on since the pandemic. Um, and a lot of that is because, you know, from, from our perspective, um, you know, it, it, it's changed a little bit with a hybrid, you know, sort of more of a hybrid working model, um, trying to keep the culture and the connectivity that we've had uh, with people being in the office. You know, we've, we're, we're trying to create some of those same things now in a, in a hybrid environment. And a lot of that has to do with technology and how, how we think of how our, our employees are onboarded, how they're mentored, how they're having, you know, good, you know, sort of career development discussions with, with their managers. Um, and we've been thinking a lot of that through with our own employee journey maps as to, you know, what, what does, a, does a person who's not in one of our major offices, how do they experience life at the handover versus somebody who's in our Worcester office? And I think that that um, by itself is, is a, is an awesome challenge for us from a from a technology perspective because there's you know obviously lots of tools that can be used, but a lot of it is for us is the the secret sauce is is the culture and you know sort of the 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 pieces that we believe are that makes us you know a great company to work for. We need to keep that stuff sustained right at, you know through this time, and I think that's the focus that we've had on those on those employee journey maps and. And how do we keep that connectivity together, you know, through this time? And who knows, right? Maybe uh, I, I believe it ends up a little bit, it's going to stay a bit more hybrid than, than what it was pre-pandemic. And, uh, you know, I think for us, it's trying to get the best of both worlds, uh, being able to give people the flexibility that they want. But then also, like I said, I, I think we can, we can also excel in, in sort of our execution and being able to get, you know, the 
the work that we want to get done. And, and from an IT perspective, I can tell you over the last two years, our, our teams have worked harder than ever uh, during this time of having them leave the office, bringing them back into the office, all the protocols, all the secure, the cybersecurity that went around that. Uh, but then at the same time, keeping up with all of our business uh, responsibilities and, and helping grow the businesses as, as we wanted to over the last couple of years. Right. Yeah. So it's been a great, it's been a really exciting time, but that, that employee journey maps will become more and more important uh, as, as, as we go through time here. Very well articulated. Thank you, Will. Yeah. Um, talk a bit about the role that data and analytics play. Um, I know that's, that you have a great emphasis on that, and certainly innovation begins with, in many ways, uh, you know, identifying yeah. opportunities through data and analytics and creatively using it to draw better conclusions and so on. Talk a bit about some of the specifics of how it's, uh, how it's leveraged uh, within your organization. Yeah, yeah. So one of the one of the examples that we talked about before was just you know in the on the agent journey maps and the efficiencies that our agents are looking for these days, right? Where they don't want to, they don't necessarily want to go to every competitor carrier point of sale site and and create all of um, you know putting in the same data around a certain account six or seven different times to generate all these quotes, right? So so there there's a there's definitely leverageability of the data analytics and the front end of that customer of the the acquisition of a of a quote. Meaning, um, you know, if I'm a if I'm a shoe store in uh, mid midtown Manhattan in New York City, uh, there's a lot of attributes that that I can gather from third party data uh, around that store. Um, that's you know really going to help with the quoting process. And it's just less work for our agents, right? So, you know, sort of what is it next to? Is it, you know, what stores are next to it? Uh, there's obviously a piece around like revenue of that company. How many employees do they have? It's just, you know, that typical information. We're able to, to um, access that information easier than we have in the past, right? And so, so there's a use case around data analytics, around just efficiency for our agents and trying to trying to make it easier for them to be able to do business with us. And then on the flip side, on the, on the underwriting side, then we do get into sort of, to your point around just insights that, that we can gather. Um, and, and some of it is, is at a blunt level of like, would I write this risk or would I not write this risk? But then you also get into the fine details of like, is, is the actual account priced correctly? Like, can I get down to to a different level of segmentation around a certain business to be able to get more refined in my own pricing, you know, in a in a good way or you know either less or more on the premium um, to like I said to to try and just uh, get a little bit more granular, a little bit more refined on what what the risk really is instead of a a blunt view that you know if if an underwriter just Google's you know, a bunch of information about the company, maybe there's more that we can bring to the table uh, that we can serve up to them. So from an efficiency standpoint, they're, they're able to, you know, we know if it's this kind of, if it's a shoe store in Manhattan, this is what they're looking for, for information. And we're able to serve it up faster to them and more accurately. Um, those are the use cases, I think, for us that, that are, are most helpful, um, you know, from a, from a day to day. And, you know, there's still, uh, there's no silver bullet to to the data analytics. Um, what we've realized is, you know, there's some things that certain companies are really good at getting, like employee counts, 
you know, there's other things where like, you know, for a restaurant, uh, we want to know if they have delivery for that, uh, for that restaurant. No, those things are, you know, they're harder to get because you're, you're, you're trying to use AI to try and derive whether or not that company really has a delivery service or not. And, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a hit, sometimes it's a miss, just how they do it. And it's constantly getting better and better as, uh, as the weeks and the months go by around just refining how those AI engines work and so forth. But it is very, very, very promising for, for us as a company to, to be able to get that kind of information more easily. And then, you know, it obviously helps uh, from an efficiency side, but then also helps from a loss, a loss cost side as well of just getting more granular. Really makes sense. I also yeah. wanted to ask you, Will. Um, there's a lot of uh, money flowing into insure tech uh, startups in the insurance industry. A lot of innovation happening from that perspective. I wonder yeah. how do you think about uh, partnering with, uh, investing in, maybe even competing with um, yeah. uh, some of the rising players. You have all sorts of advantages of, of history and scale and existing customer relationships and knowledge of the of the business and so on. Uh, one might argue that they they have the the, the advantages of, of, of nimbleness, in fact, and, and yeah. uh, a lack of legacy, anything, uh, um, and, and a lot of ambition, needless to say. T talk a bit yeah. about your own perspective uh, about yeah. some of these rising players in the industry. Yeah, so we, so, so sort of from a, from a philosophy standpoint, it's very, we, we approach the insurtechs very much how we approach our, our own agency partnerships, where it's a, it's a smaller subset, but it's a deeper relationship. So, um, so we spend a lot of time trying to figure out who, who we think, you know, within our value chain, where we think our advantages are targeting companies that, that sort of are in that, that part of the life cycle of our, of our insurance life cycle, and then really trying to build a deep relationship with them. So, uh, so we get to a place where, um, what I'd say is the way we're investing in them, it's with our time and our knowledge of the industry. And so we're trying to help them, you know, so a lot of these guys, they're, they're not exactly sure of the problem that they're solving. Uh, and we try and help them curate it a bit more and trying to get a little bit more pithy around, like, this is the problem that you're trying to solve. Um, and we've, we've done that with a handful of our, of, of insure tech partners that, you know, that we were there with them day one when they started. Um, and we're seeing them and helping them you know, get into our, our agency plant. Um, and then we're obviously, obviously helping on the, on the carrier side too. Um, and then there are, there are uh, organizations where, um, you know, e you know, accelerators and all that, where they are trying to also bring together the agent and carrier communities together. Uh, because, you know, it's, it, you, you can't just have one piece and not the other. It turns into like a, a chicken or the egg uh, sort of problem on the, on the insure tech side. So, you know, certainly for us, it is uh, the way we're investing in these companies is through our our time and knowledge and and really helping curate what problem are they trying to solve and uh, and help them target and you know honestly like help pilot and test out test and learn on some of these these pieces and that that's been our approach and you know that's very similar to like I said how we think about our our agency plan as well right it's it's a smaller set, deep relationship. Um, and we're, we're there to lean in and help them as well. Excellent. And I wanted to ask you also, Will, are there you know, any 
trends as you look to the future? We've, we've talked about a number of them, actually, and their relevance, uh, especially in your innovation agenda. Any yeah. others that we haven't yet covered that are particularly intriguing to you as you look to the future? Yeah, yeah, I think, um, you know, so we mentioned, I mentioned a little bit on the on the agency side, like the the largest trends are definitely around efficiencies of how they how they quote and acquire, you know, sort of uh, buying policies. So there's a lot of, um, you know, there is a lot of, of energy towards, uh, you know, sort of single entry of the data and then having it go out to multiple carriers and then come back with quotes. Uh, that's that. So doing it that way is sort of like a headless approach to our, our platform. So they may not be going into our, our point of sale systems, but they are still interacting with the same system, just you know, without the screens. And you know, so that that is definitely a trend that we've seen with our with our agency plan of just trying to get more efficient. And and I get it, right? They don't they don't want their CSRs to enter the same information into six different systems to generate six quotes from six you know on the same on the same uh, company or or risk, right? It just the efficiencies have to be better uh, for them to the economics to work. Uh, so we've definitely seen that on the agency side. Um, on the customer side, uh, it is definitely an acceleration on digital capabilities. A lot of it was from the pandemic of, of just not, um, not coming into office, into the agent's office, wanting to do more self-service. So we do, you know, we spend a lot of time with our customers, mostly on that digital journey map, right? Like, what are the things they want to be able to self-service? What are their expectations from a claims handling side? Um, you know, how do I get, you know, how do I get my checks quicker? Or how do I, you know, all the efficiencies around that, that life cycle is what we see on the customer side. And then uh, we hit a little bit on the employee piece. Um, but, you know, for us, especially in, in my world in technology, a lot of it is, is that, you know, you, you hear about the great resignations and, you know, and people moving roles and so forth. So a lot of our focus as a company is right is the retention of our of our employees and being able to keep um, you know keep them from a from a career perspective moving forward uh, from a culture perspective, being a place where um, you know the values of the company and and how we we show ourselves every day are important. Uh, and then finally, also from like a <clears throat> You know, we haven't talked about this a lot, but even from like a uh, an inclusion, diversity side and equity, right? That that is something that we're on our own journey on today as a company. That uh, that's very important to us, and we we've we believe that you know having a when we talk about just sort of that co-creation piece, having the diversity of thought, right, and the diversity of backgrounds and perspectives of people as what's going to give us the best answers and the best results at the end of the day. So, so on that employee side, that is another trend that, you know, maybe it's a little bit of technology, but it's also just, I think as, as a, as the CIO and managing uh, a group of technologists, right. That's the kind of stuff that, that comes to my mind because it's, you know, it's very easy today to, to take a phone call and, and explore uh, other opportunities. And, and we believe that, that we're, you know, what we want to do is we want to offer the, uh, the, the, those same capabilities and more, right, at, at the handover. Um, and so those are the things that, you know, from a, from a trend perspective are important to, to, to me on the, on the employee side. 
Excellent. One other question I wanted to ask you, Will, as somebody who's yeah. had such a remarkable rise uh, within your organization, you know, I, I wonder if there are some secrets to your success. If there were a younger member of your team who wanted to know <laughs> a little bit about your pathway uh, and recommendations on how they might uh, achieve comparable success, um, what, yeah. what are some of the things that come to mind? What have been some of the the, the secrets to yours? Yeah, yeah, no. So, you know, obviously one of our, you know, one of our strategic tenants that we even have within IT is we, we call it sort of, uh, we call it building T-shaped employees or, or the IT athlete, right? And so I, I think, you know, for me, thinking back on my own career, there was a version of that, that, that happened. Meaning, you know, when we think about the T-shaped, it's, it's your, your, your deep uh, technical knowledge in something, right? Uh, and, but at the same time, at the top of the T, you're building out that broadness of being able to really have, have an integrated thinking, having an integrated thought around, around how you do your own solutioning. That's one of the areas that, I, that we're really pushing on hard, even within our own world, because I, I think having those, the opportunities and sort of the, you know, the special projects to be able to go off and do something that's a little bit different than what you normally do. And uh, I think is important. And, and so I think for me, uh, I had to change seats to be able to get that type of broadness and that experience by moving into different roles. But I think there's a version of that today that we can offer uh, in our own world where we can offer some of that broadness without people having to, to actually feel like they they're having to take a risk and, and so forth. And um, that to me is like, you know, one of the pieces around our, our own development where, you know, we want to say everybody has a major and everybody has a minor, right? It just, you know, sort of like in college terms, what are, what is that? And, and from a development perspective, are we able to, um, to enable that as an organization? Meaning, you know, if, if you are changing seats, uh, we want to promote that. Um, but we also want to make sure that if it doesn't work out, that that's okay, right? It's still a win. Um, and you have a soft landing spot and it doesn't feel, it won't feel as risky as, you know, sort of like jumping off the ledge and that you're, you know, it's something that you can come back to, uh, you know, if, if it doesn't work out, you're able to come back to something that, that you enjoyed before. Um, so sort of building out that environment, I think is important. And for me, I think it, I had to do it by changing seats. Um, and that's a way to do it. And certainly it, I think that those, the broadness of those roles gives me, helps me in the perspective of my role today. It, it obviously, you know, it helps from both a financial side, but even from a, Hey, I can say that I've sat in somebody else's shoes, right. And, and understand what the pressures are that they're trying to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that that broadness and sort of that integrated thinking, I think is, is what is really key to, you know, technology for the, you know, um, for our employees and our early and career employees going into the future. Certainly great, great insights, Will. I really appreciate that. Thank you for a great conversation across the board. Will, Lee, yeah, no, wonderful to hear more about uh, your experience, your rise in the Hanover Insurance Group, the many roles you've played, the impact of that on the current uh, couple of roles that, that you own, the nature of innovation in an organization such as yours, the ways in which the, or, the, the, the company has continued to refine its, its capabilities and innovate during trying times through the pandemic and your vision of the future. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Thank you for the time.